0: Midwives dissecting life and talking
1: shit. This is Head On View, issued by the Society of Radical Midwives. Hello and welcome to Head On View. I'm Carly. I'm Laura. And I'm Penny. Woo! It's been a hot minute since all three of us have been here. Yeah. So catch us up, Pen, because we haven't spoke to you for a while. What's been happening? Just work and life. How's married
0: life treating you, Penn? Yeah, still pretty good. Yeah. You haven't yeah. killed him yet, so I mean, that's good.
2: I had a fight a while ago. And we learn that we have to call each other out when someone's being annoying, which
1: seems to work. Yeah, oh yeah, a hundred percent. Communication is the answer to everything, really. All of life's problems. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And And I think sometimes though we often think, you know, when you think someone's being really annoying, and you're like, oh god, that's so annoying, but then you don't tell them, and you just think they should know that they're annoying.
0: Yeah, (laughs) yeah. You should read my mind, and yeah, exactly.
1: Exciting news for me. I finally got relieved from nursing duties. Yay. Yay. And I went over to mid and how they set up their midwifery here. So it's sort of midwifery group practice, but a team one. So you you know how normally when people do group practice, every midwife is allocated a certain amount of women and they're your women and that's it. Whereas the way they do it here is a bit different. It's a really small group of midwives here. I think the core staff here, there's only like five of them and they only do 200 births a year. So I guess this setup, how they've got wouldn't work for everywhere, but how they do it here, it's really cool. For example, my roster would be on Monday, you're first on call. So we all get work phones and then that would mean I'm responsible for all labors and births and any sort of incoming calls are all diverted to my work phone. So that can be people calling up, you know, reduced fetal movements, or we also have the women for two weeks postnatally. They can call us as well, anytime. So it could be them calling up. Having problems with breastfeeding or, you know, anything really, any concerns at all. Can Can they call you in the middle of the night? Yeah, yeah. So we have the phone 24 hours and we say to the women, obviously the same when antenatally you can call anytime and postnatally as well. We let them know they still have the phone call. They can call us anytime 24 hours of the day and someone will answer with any concerns. So for example, that would be my Monday roster and then Tuesday roster, I would be second on call, but also responsible for any postnatal or domiciliary visits so we all have a calendar on our phones i can look on that and be oh has anyone had a baby who's in hospital do i need to go in and do any postnatal stuff do i need to go out and do any home visits or make any phone calls if i didn't have to do any of that then i'd just be at home in case second on call because obviously there still needs to be two midwives at a birth and you can only work a certain amount of hours and then, sure. for example, the next day, Wednesday, I'd be third on call, which means I'd be responsible for any antenatal appointments. So, again, I'd look on the calendar. Oh, if there's no antenatal appointments, i just sit at home and wait to see if I get called. Or if there's appointments, i go and do those. And then the next day, I'd be fourth on call, which basically means, you know, I might go in and do some checks, some stocking, and just if anyone needs a hand, mm-hmm. and then the fifth day, they kind of put you on a planned workday. So that means you just do a day shift so you're not on call, so you know there's no one going to be calling you overnight. And then you have your two days off, and then the cycle starts again. If you did normal MGP, like midwifery group practice, you would have your five or ten or however many women you have, but you would essentially be the first on call for them all the time. So you just wouldn't yeah. really be having any breaks and One of the other agency midwives, she just came down from Queensland and she said she was doing MGP and she just said, oh, you know, even on my days off, if the woman, if one of my women came in for in labor, they would still call me on my personal phone and be, oh, your woman's coming in labor. And she'd be, oh, I'm on my day off. And they'd be like, well, it's your woman. You know what I mean? And she sort of felt pressured to still go in. And and then she was like, so even though I was meant to be having, you know, two days off a week, she said, it was like I never had a day off because they they would still be getting calls and texts and I still felt I had to come in on things and just all the time 24 hours a day you're always first on call for all these women yeah. whereas the way they do it where I am now yeah you're first on call but only sort of one maybe two days a week and then the rest of the time you're second third or fourth on calls so the likelihood of you getting that call gets less and less likely and you get you know you get less chance to get burnt out so I haven't ever worked anywhere that's ever had a setup like this. So I found it really interesting. When I first saw the roster, I was what the hell is this? Very confusing. But now I'm working it. I actually really enjoy it. Yeah, that's good. And much
0: better than nursing.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's much better. <laughs> Half the time I felt very out of my depth and that I didn't know what I was doing. So it's nice to actually be like, okay, if someone can ask me a question and I'll be like, I know this answer. I haven't I got to be like, what? <laughs> Which brings us to our topic, which I, I messaged Carly the other
0: day and something came up on the news. I was only doing it because I was having a cup of coffee and I was sitting there and it came up and I was, it was about continuity of care for women having babies. And so it said at the bottom of the screen that only 30% of women having babies can choose their care model. So yeah. they can choose to have a private midwife or they can choose to have a private obstetrician. So... That brings me to sort of this topic about women in Australia, and I don't know what it's like in other countries, let us know, but women in Australia, most women are not able to choose whether it's for money reasons. They don't know what's out there. They just go to their doctor and their doctor's like, here, go to the hospital, and they go to the hospital and they're not given a choice about their care.
1: A lot of public hospitals don't offer a continuity of care model or if they do it will only be offered to certain women so low risk women because a lot of times they say okay if you're on the continuity of care model you can only stay for 20 hours post-birth so or some of them some hospitals only stay six hours post-birth which is yeah well this is crazy if you've got someone who's deemed high risk or you know doesn't fit within kind of the guidelines and straight away they don't have that option and if you don't have the money to have a private midwife or if you're in an area that doesn't have private midwives because they're not you know there aren't private midwives all over the whole country then you really don't have an option.
0: Yeah and I don't think women know that they have these options. Penny in maternal child health you get many women that have birth at home or private their private midwives?
2: Most of them are from my
1: midwives. There's a bit of toing and throwing about our relationship with my midwives. A lot of people might not have heard about my midwives, especially if they're not in Victoria or sure. if they're from overseas. So just explain to us how my sure. midwives work.
2: They're a group of privately practising midwives who take over the, the care of the pregnant woman. They have their own sort of centre where they do antenatal appointments. and Most of the time they'll have a birth at home or if they need to come into the hospital, they'll, the midwives will most likely do the birth or Call an obstetrician.
1: That's a little bit different as well because my midwives have practising rights at one of the Melbourne hospitals, but a lot of private practising midwives don't have practising rights within a hospital. So, if, for example, their woman had to be transferred into a hospital, then they they could go as a support person, but they're not actually allowed to do the birth or do any sort of medical procedure for six weeks. Well, up to six weeks. There's sort of different packages, so.
2: You can just have the antenatal package, you can have the, the birth package, or you can have all three depending how much it costs.
1: Do you feel there's a bit of crossover that you feel you're giving these women information but you're thinking, well, their midwife's already taking care of that? Yes. Yeah,
2: so that's where it gets a bit hard because a few clients get told you don't have to see us until six, the sort of six-week mark. And we prefer to see them because we want to also create that continuity and to start With six weeks postpartum, it's kind of like, well, they've already set up already. We prefer to see them for one appointment go, okay, well, if they're wearing the baby, they can keep wearing the baby. But there's also things that we look out for too that kind of get a little bit missed, such as hips or any sort of physical
1: concerns. Yeah, because definitely as midwives, we're looking at really just the newborn and we're not looking kind of into the future as a maternal child health nurse, you're looking at future growth and development things that as midwives we're not necessarily trained to look at or are looking at really
0: when i'm working as a lactation consultant in a hospital we can see people up to a year right and we get that weird crossover where they've got continuity with us but what happens is they go back to their maternal child health nurse so they've come from their maternal child health nurse because they don't like the advice there and then they've come to us so when we say that women are getting continuity of care, they're not. it's because not all of us work
1: together. Penny, do you have the same women that you see potentially for however long, five years? We can see them up to six, but it's generally about four, four and a half. Okay. And do you have a caseload of women where you're like, I will always see these women or do they kind of just go to whoever's available?
2: We start out by having the caseload. So once we sort of get the birth notice, they schedule a two week, sorry, home visit two week, four week, eight week, four months with me. And then it sort of depends from there. You try to keep the same person, but as they get a little bit older, it gets a bit more difficult when the appointments become further apart. So you sort of get the same people, but you get a few randoms that you know get booked in from other centers or people that have just come across into the into the council have transferred over.
1: You know what I thought we should actually do this will be another pod but we should actually do a pod review. Pen just talking about maternal child health nurse because so many people are like oh yeah I really want to do it and interested in it and I think a lot of people don't really know what's involved. Anyway that can be a future pod.
2: Honestly with a lot of people you'll find different people will absolutely love the service and a lot of people will hate it
1: for a number of
2: reasons and I guess Going back to this topic, continuity is also one of them as well.
0: I have a few clients at my private hospital that cannot stand the maternal child health nurses.
1: But is that maybe just a personality clash or not? Because you can't really hate the job. You know what I mean? You can't hate what I, they stand for. I think how information is
0: delivered. So I think women and Penny would probably agree with this, like women get to a certain point in their breastfeeding journey or their parenting journey where they're just not good. They just cannot give a shit about a really strong opinion from maternal child health nurses.
1: That's more obviously how someone is choosing to go about their work. It's not a blanket. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And I think <laughs> but that, I that like brings that. into it. Yeah. How, do you,
0: how are you continuous with a woman if you're given this group of women to look after and say a third of them you don't really get along with or you don't click with, but they want continuity well goes both ways the continuity goes both ways right <laughs> of
1: course i guess the first issue is that a lot of places don't offer continuity of care whether that's funding or money or they don't have the staffing but then even if you offered it you would have to find the staff that want to do our continuity of care and just people that i've spoken to have said they get really burnt out in that situation because the amount of women they have and they basically feel their whole life is 24 hours on call, which is not sustainable at all for a long time. The only way to do that really would be to, I guess, do less women per midwife or make it not so it's just like, this is you and these are your women, maybe do it team care so it's more sustainable for the women and the midwife.
2: You're also dealing with women who are having... An emotional time coming up. So their emotions are extremely heightened. If it's their second or third, they're probably a bit more, okay, we've got this. We know we've done this before. But if you've got a first time person who's, you know, has a large amount of questions and needs, reassurance is why they've probably gone through this model to have that sort of continuous support it can be quite you know emotionally draining mm. yeah.
1: yeah and definitely. i think we all would have worked with women and we would have loved them oh my god we had you know this woman was lovely and the flip side we've all worked with people who are just like oh my god i cannot do another shift working with this person and that's real life because you're not oh going to love god. everyone and you're not going to get on with everyone <laughs> and as a new team member how do you feel you've been
0: perceived with the women who are birthing.
1: Oh, so well. And all the staff, and I think this makes a difference as well. The staff have been just ridiculously supportive and they've always just been, doesn't matter, here's our phone number. One of the coordinators even said, this is my private phone number. You can call me any time of the day, 24 hours a day, if you can reach anyone else and you're just like, what the hell's going on? So, you know, there's been a lot of support there and they're Mm. all happy to answer my gazillion questions about, what do I do with this again? Where does this bit of paper go? Where do you go? And even today, we, we had an appointment and they were going through all the births. And I said, wait, I did a booking in appointment. I said, was I meant to write this woman's name in here? I said, I'm just sitting here thinking, how do all these women's names get in this book? Yeah, you are going to write it in here. Cool, <laughs> give me a pen. Let me do it right now. Somehow, somehow this must have been a book and I was like, oh, wait, yeah, I've been coming to do that. It's a small town so a lot of the people, you know, you'll go through the names and then people will be, oh, yeah, look, I haven't actually seen her as a midwife but I saw her last night socially having dinner. She's doing really well. Or, you know, oh, I saw her mum. Her mum said she's doing great. So, you, <laughs> know, you know, and everyone they come in, they'll be like, oh, that's my sister's friend or I went to high school with them. And half the people birthing, they'll be like, oh, that's the nurse from oh she works here she works there she's one of the physios on the so it's so small that everyone knows everyone i know at the public hospital i work
0: at they do they have team and i think they have team midwifery they'll have groups of different teams and i don't know what the teams are called i always forget the university team i think one's called the university team so you'll have a group of midwives that work in the university team and they rotate through all the areas yeah a lot of the times when I'm working in domiciliary, you'll get a group of women and they'll say, oh, you've got two team girls there, two women that have been through team. I'm like, okay, what am I doing with them? And they're like, well, we don't have anyone from team that can work today. Sort I of works, but doesn't. Yeah. It sort of works, but it doesn't because it's a rotating roster. And I had one woman say to me, I've only met two midwives in this team, and apparently there's like 10 of them. And then I've had another woman say the opposite. I've got yeah. 10 of you, but you're supposed to be a team, and I thought I would meet only two or three of you.
1: So, yeah, um, I guess that's hard as well in the women if they are being signed up to this idea. I'm assuming they get a choice of what care model they sign up to. Yeah. So if yeah. they're saying, you sign up to this team care, it's only a small group of midwives, you're more likely to have the same midwife, and then they find they're still getting a different midwife every time. Or they don't even meet the teen's midwives. Then, you, yeah, I guess how realistic is this? What we're offering people—they yeah. get the
0: postnatal care, and I don't think I've ever come onto a postnatal shift where they've said, "Oh, these are all team girls. You're a team girl. You go with them, or you go with." I've never heard that. And you know, I have women on the postnatal ward that have said to me, "Oh, I've not seen my team midwife once. I saw her antenatally, but I haven't seen her since." It's not a great model when it's a busy tertiary system unless we can do like what you're doing, Carly. That makes more sense.
1: It sounds to me that the hospital can say they are offering a continuity of care, but in reality, but, but it's, not. it's not really <laughs> happening. Are all your patients
2: or your women, Carly, because you're in a small town, are they low risk though?
1: Pretty low risk. So because we don't have a nursery here, so we don't have a special care nursery. What we call the nursery is really just a room with a recess and a scales in. It's not like a functioning nursery. We couldn't have a a baby there sort of as an inpatient. For example, if any women are GDM and they're on insulin, they have to be transferred out and anyone, I think it's, Oh, I don't think anyone below, I think, 36 weeks would have to be transferred out.
0: And, like, growth restriction and stuff. Yeah,
1: so a, lo- a lot of people. Oh, actually, I have to tell you something funny. But when I was saying Grey's Anatomy and I was like, oh, in Arizona is the peed and the obstetrician. What the hell? That doesn't happen in real life. Okay, rewind. <laughs> that does happen in real life. Obviously, I had never ever seen that. I remember we were going, What obstetrician would be a pediatrician? Okay, so here where I am, we have three obstetricians, no pediatricians, no pediatricians. Okay, however, the obstetricians are pediatrician trained, if that makes sense. For example, we go and do a Caesar. You're doing a Caesar, you have your obstetrician who's doing the Caesar. How do we call the pediatrician? And they said, Yeah, so you call this doctor and i'm like wait no he's the obstetrician he's an obstetrician yeah so the obstetrician is now the baby doctor
0: what, what? so, <laughs> so we like obstetric and
1: pediatric trained do they have to do a separate course yeah yeah so they do and not only that but they are also all gps as well what this is small town living at its finest So these doctors are, yeah, busy and obviously on it. The other day, for example, because there's only three doctors and we came a little bit unstuck. We've got one doctor upstairs with someone who is birthing. However, this baby is stuck. It's not coming out. There was this weird, God, I don't even know how to describe it. This person basically had this weird sort of, not even a vessel, a piece of skin. I don't even know how to describe it. We know the cervix is like a big circle. And then imagine there's a piece of skin going right down the middle so that the baby physically could not get out because there's... What? Yeah. It, so, it was vascular? Well, in the end, they had to cut it. So really vascular. Anyway, this is happening upstairs. Meanwhile, we have taken someone down just for their normal elective caesar because at the time we're just like, oh, normal vaginal birth. We don't know. We're there with the caesar and the spinal goes in. And then the other doctor came running in. Has spinal gone in? Has spinal gone in? Yeah, the spinal's gone in. We need to do an emergency to deliver this baby now. But also there's one theatre. So (laughs) so there's not enough staff to do. And then they're like, okay, but the spinal's gone in. So so we have to do this Caesar now. You can't leave this lady sitting here now. Now the spinal's gone in. Okay, look, we'll get in. We'll get this one done super quick. And then you can do the next one. And then it's, oh, but wait, but doctor who's in the room with the, the trying to vaginal birth lady was meant to be the baby doctor for the Caesar. And then we call the one other obstetrician, number three obstetrician. He's out doing his GP stuff, seeing patients. <laughs> I'm not available. I'm seeing my patients. So the, the doctor, the Caesar doctor just gets on the phone. He's, you have to be available. You have to come here, blah, blah, blah. This baby's coming out now. Anyway, then a the GP doctor. He finally gets there. That's fine. He acts as a pediatrician. That's all fine. In the meantime, the other lady, we can't wait. We have to get this baby out. So the doctor gets on the phone to another specialist somewhere else and then works out that she can suture the ligament And then I'm calling it a ligament. I don't really know what it was. Suture the ligament and then cut it because she didn't want to cut it because it's so vascular and then obviously risk the mum losing all the blood. So she sort of had to suture it at either end and then cut it in the middle and then get the baby out and then yes. anyway all babies were born everyone was fine but it was just that situation so this is what happens when you're somewhere small when you've got a limited number of doctors who are doing more than one role so not only are they obstetricians but they also have to act as pediatricians oh and when they're not in the hospital they're acting as gps Like that is insane so i take back saying that it's not really it happens in crazy anatomy Happens in, in regional Victoria too. Yeah. It sounds like they actually
2: work really well together. Some doctors can be very careful with other doctors, but these guys were like, "Yeah, you need to do this. So get here now and I'll do this while you do this.
1: And another funny story is I was talking to the anesthetist. He said, oh, you must be one of the locum midwives because I've never seen you before. Yeah, sure I am. where are you working before? And I said, oh, I was working at this hospital in Melbourne and he was like oh okay (laughs) you must you must you mean our hospital (laughs) yeah so he was like right okay and then the woman who is having her Caesar looks up at me and says huh my best friend is a midwife at that hospital and I said oh okay I said look I haven't worked there for two years you know but uh," I said if she's worked there a long time I would probably know who she was and she said oh yeah she worked there for years her name is And I actually know her. Oh, no. (laughs) And this other midwife is also no longer working at said Melbourne hospital. But so funny how...
0: Such a small world. Yeah, isn't
1: it? So small. Such a
0: small world. Such a small world. We'll have to do a podcast on small world stories.
1: (laughs) Small world stories, yeah.
0: That would stress me out, by the way. I'm so glad you're a cool, calm cucumber of a person.
1: (laughs) you know i wasn't i wasn't always and i think that doing this travel midwifery has made me be you just have to be you can't be freaking out because there's no when you look around if you press that emergency button well fuck it there's no one else there so i think yeah. for anyone that's wanting to improve and become more confident in themselves this 100 percent makes you become more confident but i have a way better work-life balance now way better A little bit disappointed that I'm going to a new job where I'm going to be back on shift work, just the regular AM shift, PM shift. and I've already got my first week roster and I'm like, oh, late, early. That's the joy. How can you have to leave? My contract was only for eight weeks here and I'd only been in, I think, my contract about two weeks at the current hospital when my agent phoned me and said, oh, Mildura is looking for midwives. Would you be happy to sign a contract with them? At this moment in time, I was still doing nursing at Hamilton. So I was uh-huh. like, yeah, I'm happy. I don't want to stay here and do nursing. However, then I got moved over to mid because I said, oh, we don't need you in nursing anymore. You can go over to midwifery. And as soon as I went to mid, they were like, do you want to extend your contract? Would you like a permanent job here? <laughs> extend. I've already signed another contract. So Yeah,
0: but can you renege on the
1: other contract? It all sort of depends on what, contract you sign and technically I can my contract does have a clause saying it can be cancelled if you want to I only would really want to cancel a contract if I had a good reason to so you know if someone was sick or I was sick I just think it's a pretty small like as we've discovered like the midwifery world it's a pretty small world and I think if you're cancelling contracts just because you feel like it or you don't want to do it I think that would give quite a negative impression of me and it only takes someone to talk to someone else and, and be like oh no that girl just cancelled because whatever she couldn't be bothered yeah. and you know what it's fine I go new places and see new things I wasn't hating it before but I started really enjoying it now that I was doing the midwifery work but it just means I'm open I can come back at least now I know that I've worked here and I know how it works so if the dates fit and they were looking for people again I'd be happy to say yeah I'll go back and do another contract nice so you're going to Mildura yeah. That's hot, yeah. Yeah, but I think yep. it will be yeah, disgusting. Hot, but that's hot. okay. We'll have aircon and there's a river there. <laughs> does the agency set you up with accommodation? The agency does all that. So they do it in like consultation with the hospital. Sometimes you have to pay a subsidy. Is that the right word? Yeah. A subsidy. So you they might say, Oh, you need to pay a hundred dollars a week or whatever towards your accommodation. So far, I've been lucky and I've always had all my accommodation fully included. So I've never had to pay anything for it. Normally, the hospital will either own places or they will rent them out or there's certain hotels or places they use and they will say they might have some sort of deal with, I don't know, these hotels or apartment places where they get a bit of a discount. I've got no idea. But yeah, so I just get the information. I just get forward and say, this is where you're checking in. So we are going to be in, I guess, a bit like Quest Apartments, They're sort of yes. those self-contained apartments. And I have stayed in all manner of places where I am now. This is sort of nurses' accommodation. I think it used to be, it's next to a church, so I think maybe nuns used to live here or something. I'm in a little one-bedroom unit and then there's a share house sort of attached and they've just got single rooms in there. And so they will have students that are up to stay because some of the students are from sort of two or three hours. So they oh, have wow. students they have other agency midwife who come and stay. And then other times I've been put up in hotels, I've been put up in cabins and caravan park motels. Yeah. The gamut of accommodation has varied. Some has been lovely, some has been like, mm, I have to live out of this one room for eight weeks. That's not a joy. But yeah. <laughs>
0: So what you're saying is there's no continuity. <laughs> mm,
1: no, no. And I guess as well that, you know, at the start, probably I didn't maybe advocate as well for myself to say, look, this is not realistic. Putting me in a motel room that doesn't even have a separate bedroom for eight weeks. How am I going to live out? of a room that's really designed for kind of weekend stays. I think I've got a little bit better as I've got more experience doing agency work to sort of say, okay, this is what I'm prepared to put up with. Are you ever going to come back to Melbourne Carly? I can't imagine that I would come back to Melbourne to live full-time. Yeah, yeah. So (laughs) at this stage, no, I lived there for a long time. I think I'd come back maybe for a little bit for holidays or whatever, but... Yeah. it's you know it's not as though we've got family or anything there we've got no ties there really. Are you hearing this penny? Are you hearing this? <laughs> Reject. And workwise there's no way financially I would be in a good position as I am now if I went back and just worked full time or at a, as a permanent employee. So any other news ladies? I've got nothing to report
0: except Everyone here is dropping like flies with COVID. Oh, really?
1: Are they getting sick with COVID or just, oh, I've got COVID and I have to stay at home with no symptoms?
0: Well, I went out on Saturday night and I think a few of the girls, we've got a group chat and uh, it's, you know, three of them have COVID. Everyone's like, how are you, Lauren? I'm like, I was so so alcohol-fueled, I don't think COVID could get into me. (laughs) (laughs) So now I'm fine. And then a colleague
1: I worked with the other day has it. But I'm sort of at the point now, I mean, so no one has to officially isolate anymore, but no, you're not allowed not. to go to work if you're positive for COVID. Within okay. within the healthcare industry. Not in the healthcare industry. Yes. I think if you were just
0: sitting in a cubicle somewhere and you were asymptomatic, you just have to put a mask on. But I mean,
1: if you were asymptomatic, why would you even be testing yourself? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> My
2: colleague has it and she was just feeling run down and And she went home and was oh, sorry, we had lunch together. I'm like, oh, well, apparently now I have to wear an N95 just in case, even though I'm negative. This is
0: ridiculous.
2: Well, I already had bad asthma and hay fever with the weather. I'm not wearing an N95. Yeah.
0: So they tell us that, oh, an N95 helps with the hay fever. And I'm like, if you've ever suffered from (laughs) asthma and hay fever, an N95 does not help. I don't know why people say that. It doesn't help.
2: And nine times out of 10, our clients come in not even wearing a mask they've even scrapped it if we COVID going to shops anyway
1: all right I feel we've kind of drew to a natural conclusion <laughs> yes, we <are.
2: laughs> yeah. Yeah, we absolutely
0: we'll have to find some guests Carly for our next pod I'm waiting on an email back from someone who's actually gone away so yeah about extended breastfeeding
1: Dan we do love a guest so I mean yeah. if anyone wants to come on and talk about stuff we're pretty open to really yeah. not much anything anything yeah. <laughs> just, just anything. shoot us a message
0: yeah maybe we should get someone to come in i mean you could talk about it Penny but we could also get a guest to come and talk about how to become a maternal child health nurse uh-huh. well. oh,
1: yeah oh we will we will we will talk to you about that next time sure. next time we're all together I'm trying to think yeah. we'll probably have we had an immunizer
2: nurse
1: i'm an immunizer nurse oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I wear I wear many hats. It's, have we had a lactation
2: consultant? I'm a lactation
0: consultant. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yes. Well, what about you talking about your nurse on set? We have an acting nurse. So. Okay, uh, we, yes. uh, to Allie, Allie, oh yeah,
1: Dr. Alley, who's now studying to be an air hostess. I think I saw that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I can talk about nursing on I haven't done any for a while, obviously, because I've been out here. I'm still <laughs> with the agency. But most of the filming, majority of the filming takes place in Sydney that they look after and a little bit in Melbourne. So really when I'm kind of not in either of those places, it's, yeah, <laughs> hard to do that work. But I think just to have a break, I'll probably at some point maybe just go stay in Sydney for a couple of months, just to do some set work, just because I enjoy it and to mix it up a bit. Very nice. Right. <laughs> I think that's us. Thanks for listening. Give us a follow. We are on Insta, head of new podcasts. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Until the next episode, it's time to boot this baby home. That we're still recording.